Hey, welcome back to another bonus episode of Friendly Ideas Podcast. Um, it's me, Jessica. I am here again with my husband, Mikey. That's me. That's you. Um, we watched this evening... Oh, if you're just tuning in, we have been watching a series of movies about people oh. being trapped or people being trapped together. Um, so tonight, uh, we had a Twitter poll that helped us decide between four Hitchcock movies. It was not Lifeboat, like Mikey very much wants. Um, nobody seems that impressed by Lifeboat, I guess. It's a very, very good movie that I haven't seen in a very long time. And what I keep but no telling... one, no, it's an underrated classic of Hitchcock's that no one knows about. And so, so what we should do is just watch it. But Mikey's very... But I do this for you people. There's 124 people potentially listening to this. <sighs> so most of the people who vote... And like that more outnumbers vote. me. <laughs> we probably have more people who vote than will listen to this. Well... Good point. Didn't think of well. Okay, so we watched the Hitchcock, Hitchcock, <laughs> the Hitchcock classic, Rear Window, starring uh, Jimmy Stewart, James Stewart, James Stewart, he and is credited as James Stewart. and Grace Kelly. Um, first thing to note, they play a couple. He is twenty-one years older than she is. She is twenty-five. He is forty-six. Oh, Daddy came up with the treat. Mm-hmm. Okay, she's now, she, bone. now she's she looking around. What to do with it. Now she's going to find a place to hide it, like on top of a pillow, <laughs> one of her classic hiding spots. Um, and I, it's funny that we watch this because my favorite murder this past week did how how Grace Kelly died, um, which was obviously very tragic. She died in a, a car accident um, in the south of France. Um, also, apparently shrouded in mystery. Apparently, people think that she's part. She was part of some cult that faked her death. Anyway, um, my point is, Karen Kilgariff described her as as if somebody drew a picture of a gorgeous person. Like she's so unbelievably beautiful. It's it's I unreal. Mean, all of like Hitchcock's leading ladies were. They're have all a very, blonde, strong jawed, very specific type. But yeah. yeah. Um, and that was of that time, too, everyone. The, the key to every leading lady was to make them look the same. Yes, and um, I have some thoughts on how women are treated in this movie. Okay, uh, so Mikey, before we jump into the synopsis, um, do you want to give your thoughts, your history? I know you're a big Hitchcock boy. Yeah, I, I guess, sure. Um, yes, I love Alfred Hitchcock. Mm-hmm. Um He was, so when I was young, I was a terrible student, didn't care about anything, but like, always had some, like, I always enjoyed movies, like, I probably have some form of ADHD or something, but I never diagnosed anything, but the only thing that I could focus on was movies, Mm -hmm. and I enjoyed them a lot, Um, and in the theater and stuff, According, you know, in while I was in school, there weren't really any film classes in high school, so I took theater classes, and when I graduated, I went to community college first and took a bunch of theater classes there, but then kind of realized, like, maybe I shouldn't take theater classes because a theater degree isn't going to get me anything but a film degree. <laughs> like, my thought was that at least a film degree, like, I learned something technical. Mm-hmm. That I wouldn't know. So I went to film school, and one of the first classes I took was a... Actually, I took the class in at COD, at College of DuPage, 
um, that was just a class was the films of Alfred Hitchcock, and it was just and talking about Hitchcock. College of DuPage is in yeah. kind of the western suburbs, like the community college. Yeah. Like, if you go to community a, college, you're likely go. In it's our a area. community college, but it's like a giant it's community huge. college. Like, it's. I don't understand how it's even still a community college, right. technically. Like, it's just a close college. But right. um, they had a Films of Albert Hitchcock class that I took, and that's kind of really what catapulted me into being like, you know what, I think I want to not be an actor and would rather be more on the other side of the camera because I was just fascinated by everything in that class. Mm-hmm. Um, and Rear Window is, is up there as one of my... Top three, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, cool. So let uh, so I, this is the second time I've seen Rear Window. The first time I saw it was in college. My uh, my friend Emily and I did a thing for a while that we tried to do all of the AFI uh, top one hundred movies mm-hmm. at that time. Which, in hindsight, that was the first time I made an overly elaborate spreadsheet for some sort of list I was making. So it really says a lot about me. Um, but yeah, this is one of the ones I, I watch. So this is my first time seeing it in, how old am I? 34. So 15 years probably. Um, so do you want to give any context about the year where Hitchcock's career was anything like that? Um, this is, what did we just figure this was 54, uh, six? Yeah, 54. Um, which is so much earlier than I thought. Agreed. Um, but this, if I'm not mistaken, is the first or one of the first in that, like, bang, 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 six. Oh, he, um... He went on, like, a six-movie streak that was, like, like... Dial M for murder and something else he... Uh, I was looking up the IMDb thing that he filmed like right on top of each other. Yeah, but the, like the, he went on a streak in within like ten years where he made six of his, his like most, most iconic famous. movies. Yeah, let's, um, let's take a look at his. And this is this is in the very early stages of that. Um. So, would you say it started with Rope? Maybe in forty eight. No, Rope. Later, Rope was critically acclaimed, but not. I like Rope a lot. I do too. Um, so, Strangers a on audience. a Train was fifty-one. And that's another. That's my favorite. That's mm-hmm. my favorite Hitchcock movie. It's noteworthy, but it isn't like the big boys, right? So, Dial M for Murder, Rear Window, and To Catch a Thief were all fifty-four, fifty-four, fifty-five. Okay. And then Trouble with Harry is also fifty-five. That Man w- who too, knew who too much fifty-six. That put him back on. Trouble with Harry wasn't huge. Yeah, I've never. Heard. Man who knew too much was was a big one, and then it goes into like. Do you know why I really know the man who too, knew too much? Because of the man who knew too little. Correct. Uh, I've never seen it. Do not not because Hitchcock made it twice. Um, yeah, I actually did notice that, and I was confused. Yeah, um, he he remade his own film. Well, he could do um, it better. Yeah. So then Vertigo is fifty eight. Yeah. North by Northwest fifty nine. Yeah. Psycho sixty. Psych- yep. And then and the then birds. He, birds was sixty three. Yeah, but that, Marnie, 64. that stretch up until the birds. Mm. It's basically probably dial in for murder up until the birds is what six or seven out of his top ten most known films. And Alfred Hitchcock presents ran from fifty five to sixty two. So that was kind of an underlying thing through mm. all these mm. all of these movies. And the Alfred Hitchcock hour, I've never heard of that. Sixty two to sixty. Oh, 
60, a TV series, 62 to 65. Oh, he directed one episode. Got it. I was like, uh, yeah, The Birds, 1963, Marnie. Um, yeah, I think those, yeah, those are the only ones I'm familiar with. Marnie, we, didn't we just watch Marnie? Yeah. Why did we watch, I mean. Because one of those cable networks that we had subscribed to for a while, like, dropped a bunch of them. Oh, and so yeah. we just wanted to. All I remember about the movie is she was riding a horse a lot. Yeah. Is that right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so, starting with the plot. <clears throat> Recuperating from a broken leg, adventuresome professional photographer L.B. Jeff Jeffries is confined to a wheelchair in his Greenwich Village apartment. Um, he So, Mikey went... These kinds of things always happen when I'm gone for a weekend. I came back after, like, a weekend trip, and Mikey had decorated our his little movie room with a bunch of movie uh, pictures uh, from yeah, movies. So, yeah, so we had a, a... I was cleaning out a closet, and we had a stack of, like, ten picture frames. Mm-hmm. I was like, why? These are just sitting in a box. Let's do something with them. So I printed out... Is there six? I think six I think pictures... I can... From movies. Not like still frames from movies, but like a movie where the picture is shown in the movie. So one of the pictures I used is the the picture that he takes right before he gets hit by a car to break his leg. Yeah. Um, Another one is from Back to the Future 2. The Back to the Future. No, it's the first one. The Back to the Future one where where it's like half missing his brother. Yeah. Um, Laura Palmer, Obs. Laura Palmer, obviously. From Seven, the picture of Brad Pitt. Yeah, the picture of Brad Pitt that, that he takes of him on the stairs. The Shining. The picture at the end of The Shining. Um, That's all I can remember. And the Playbill picture from Waiting for Coffee. <laughs> and I think it's a, that's It's it. a fireman one. It's when they do the backdraft play. Oh, my God. So good. Yeah. Um. All right. Um, anyway, it was just a fun thing to just do with those frames, and they're all lined up on a mm-hmm. shelf. So it's always fun to see if and what people recognize. Well, it would be if you ever invited people over to our home. They're invited. Are they? Yeah. Not by Not you. Not right though. now. Uh, not by you. Quarantine. Stay by away. Um, his rear window. Mm-hmm. It's always important to clap when somebody says the name of a movie in the movie. Mm -hmm. His rear window looks out into a courtyard and several other apartments. During a powerful heat wave, he watches his neighbors who keep their windows open to stay cool. That did take me a second to be like, do none of these people own blinds? Yeah. I mean, and that's a stat, like one of the, I think it's the first person you see is the guy and his wife sleeping on the balcony. Yeah, I don't think it's the first person you see, but that's when the, that, that was... So they kind of do this pan. So they have these people. They have all these characters that we never learn the names of, except for the one that we're kind of focused on. So there's Miss Torso, who's a dancer. There's Miss Lonely Heart, who is single and crying constantly. Hoof more on that later. Um, a newly married couple. Um, a man and his uh, infirmed wife. Mm-hmm. And a there's songwriter. A songwriter. And a woman with a dog. Mm-hmm. That's that's the the old lady. That's the same. She, her and her oh, husband. Oh, she the one with the hearing aid. Sleep. No, the the lady with the dog and her husband are the one who sleeps on. They sleep on the balcony. Oh, that was then. I assumed that's it was the same because they're all the way up at the top, and then 
The newlyweds are the ones who shut the blinds and you never see them except for when the guy pops out. Oh, yeah. To, like, smoke a cigarette. Um, and there's a woman with, I think, the hearing aid. Is she the one with the dog, too? Is that no, the same? No, she just, yeah. Just comes out. She, yeah. Um, spoiler alert, the dog dies, which fucking sucks. And they showed it a lot. Like, they, like, ugh. It's kind of, it was Mikey was saying that we need to train Dottie to do this, but she's too big and too dumb. Um, she, this woman who has like a little, you don't know, maybe like a 15 pound little terrier dog, very cute dog. And she puts it in a basket from her third floor apartment and like wheels the basket down like it's going down a well so it can go to the bathroom and then Mm -hmm. it jumps back in and she wheels it back up and that would be great. But that's not an option with our monstrous animal. Mm -hmm. And what I, the movie starts the same way a lot of Hitchcock movies start where, it's a static shot of something mm-hmm. while the credits roll. And then as soon as the credits are done rolling, it pushes into something. Mm. Um, what did it push into? Just out the, like it's slowly the wind, the blinds are opening oh. up and then the credits are done rolling and it pushes out into the courtyard. And then that's when you see the, the couple sleeping on the balcony. I think, I think that's the first one you see if I remember right. I feel like we see the couple on the balcony like when he Cause when he kind of dozes off at the window because it's 2 a.m. and it's that night that it rains and that's why but he But wakes... you see them before that. You see them when the alarm goes off. Oh, oh. That's the first... Oh, I and, see and, and, and the guy pops up and he's like, oh, and then the wife pops up on the other end of the bed opposite direction and it's like a fun little thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. If actually... Yeah, all right. I'll, I'll get to that. But, but, they, but it goes out into what is a absolutely fantastic set design. It, and it's, so I was reading a little bit about it's this. All it was presumably in a giant soundstage. Yeah, they had to blow out. It, so the ceiling was too low to get what they wanted to do. So they yeah, because they the, need three floors. So they blew out the basement. Okay. So where his apartment is, so his apartment looks like it's about on the second floor. Yeah. Um, his apartment is actually on the ground floor, and they dug into the basement to get into the courtyard. That makes sense. Um, it, so it's all. Pra- I mean, it's all practical because the you have to like you have to have people need room to move Mm. around within their apartment. So it has to be a practical set. Right. So what I was reading was, so almost all the shots took place either in Jeff, and he goes by Jeff. Everything is shot from within his apartment. Right. Except for there's like two shots that aren't. And one's like when he falls out the window. (laughs) Uh, Like, but that's all after everything happens. Um, Yeah. Anyway. But so, because everything was filmed either within his apartment when it's him talking to his nurse or, or his girlfriend, or um, him watching the other people, Alfred, what's she doing? She's just throwing a bully stick around and it hit her in the head. She's very confused. <laughs> so dumb. Um, uh, Hitchcock would spend all of his time in um, Jeff's apartment, and all of the actors had little... Uh, earpieces in mm. so they could hear um, so they could hear his direction so they'd just like fucking hang out there apparently like the woman who played the dancer would just hang out there when it was, she wasn't well, on because they were all functioning in apartments they had yeah. one, running water and there, you can see that and then there's a lot of scenes that are facing or that are of you know the people in his apartment but you can still see in the background a window so you people are moving around back yeah. there like life didn't stop for right. this which is part of what makes it seem realistic uh, he observes a flamboyant dancer he nicknames Miss Torso, a single woman he calls Miss Lonely Hearts, a talented singer, composer, pianist, several married couples, one of them newlyweds, a female sculptor, and lar- 
It's oh, a dishwasher again. Oh, it's a dishwasher? I thought it was the um, the Roomba. There are a lot of things that play songs at us. Um, um, and Lars Thorwald, uh, a traveling jewelry salesman with a bed-ridden wife. Um, so, yeah, he's kind of, he's just sort of shown sitting in his apartment, just like watching it like one would watch TV. Well, and they introduce him really, really well, too, which they... They come in on his face with the beads of sweat rolling down, mm-hmm. and they kind of pan down to his leg, where you see he's, he's in a in a cast a from cast, his hip. Yeah, all the way from his hip on his entire left leg, and then it pulls up from there to see a smashed camera body, like a big, like large format camera body just shattered, mm-hmm. and then up from that to a photograph of a race, race car. car crumbling and like a tire flying off that looks to be five feet in front of him, mm-hmm. which is just an absolute primo example of show. Don't tell mm-hmm. you didn't need to. Oh, well, because I'm a photographer and I took that picture of the race car right before it hit me. Yeah. You can put all those pieces together and be like, Oh, he got hit by this car, but still got the shot because right. he's a photographer who puts himself in dangerous situations. Right. Um, so it showed, we kind of open to him talking on the phone to his agent, um, and he's telling the agent that he's got one week left in the cast, um, and then he does a little more exposition on Mm -hmm. what happened, um, and then he (laughs) starts talking about, oh, okay, so he hangs up, his agent says, oh, I have this cool gig for you, and he's like, well, I can't move, and he's like, his agent's like, all right, sorry, dude, or his editor, I guess, um, and then... My favorite character in this movie, the nurse, uh, who it, her yeah, name great. is Thelma. Uh, Stella is the nurse's name. Her, she's played by, played by Thelma Ritter, um, who is a peach, like just a really. Of any relation to the rest of the Ritters? Um, I've never looked into that. Unclear. I will do some research if you want to talk about her character and why she's so great. Uh, no, she's just a great snarky but not for like a full comic relief way like just mm-hmm. in a very honest real way but like Excuse me. is the most is the real the only real guiding force in his life it seems like all he's ever cared about mm-hmm. was his career and what he does and like like he's like if this were made now He'd be like an adrenaline junkie or something. Yeah, you know, like she's she's kind of the grounding force in his life, which I think is interesting um, and adds to her her character quite a bit. If you can't find it, that's yeah, fine. I don't see anything. But she's just a just a thought. She's in nineteen sixty nine. I guess she was sixty six. Um, she comes in. She's a wonderful character, and at some point they and I cannot remember. If it's the phone call, I, okay. So I think it's the phone call with his editor's agent, um, who he talks and he talks about getting married. And the, <laughs> it's just one of those. So we're we're kind of teed up with this character of it, it's Jimmy Stewart, excuse me, James Stewart, who is a forty-something guy, and they talk about his girlfriend before she shows up, who ends up being Grace Kelly, um. And he talked, like, somebody is like, yeah, once you get married, it's all laundry machines and disposals and taking the garbage out. And I'm like, 
isn't that just your life? Like it's it's this weird thing about like once you get married, well, you have to like clean the house sometimes. It's the fear of settling down. Yeah. It's the you can't live this flamboyant lifestyle of traveling the world and taking yeah. exotic pictures in crazy locations. Yeah, I you'll you you get married and all of a sudden now you have worries stability. and cares and things you have to take care of. So now you lose that. Which is fair, but that's super not how they put it in the movie. It was literally just like, once you get married, you got a nagging wife and a laundry machine running. And it's like, uh, I mean, I guess. Don't you do laundry, Jimmy Stewart? Is that not your... I mean, not then. I guess they didn't... I mean, like, that's... What, it's dry, the 50s. Dry cleaning wasn't a thing. But, like, someone did, like... They cleaned their clothes. I mean, he's, he's the type of... He probably has, like, assistants and stuff. Like... Mm. It's, I mean, it was just, I don't know. I think, I think that was just very typical of the 19, the mid 1950s. Yeah. Which is, which is understandable, but I just think it's a funny thing of like, that's the worst part about getting married is like, you have to clean. But I think it it also sets up this juxtaposition where early on you think he's like, insecure or Mm self-loathing or doesn't think he's good enough to get married. It sets up this, like, he's so afraid of commitment and then kind of turns that on his head later when he is discussing it with her and is saying, like, you're the person I do love. Mm -hmm. You're not cut out for my life. Yeah. I don't want to get married because I don't want to ruin your life. You're like, it, it isn't a personal thing. And I think, the juxtaposition, and like that's his everyday conflict. I think is that mm. he is in love with this woman, but she's a beauty queen and like a socialite. Yeah, and he, he you know, she's in he, fashion. She talks about he can't in bring Paris. her into like you know places where he doesn't bathe for a week at a time. And right, like all, like there's we- there's this constant struggle with like yes, I love this person, but I also love my life. Right, what's going to change if I bring we- these things together? Which was. Uh, so, and then the inter- I think I kind of skipped over that they, um, uh, Jeff's sophisticated, beautiful socialite girlfriend, Lisa Fremont, visits him regularly as does his, oh, it's an ins- his insurance company nurse. It's not even like his mm. personal nurse. Um, so oh, Stella wants Jeff to settle down and marry Lisa, but Jeff is reluctant. So, so we're introduced to, uh, to Gra- to Grace Kelly, uh, what's her name? Lisa Fremont's character, who's... A picture. Like, that dress she's wearing in the beginning is perfection. And and maybe, I mean, obviously I'm always looking through everything, at everything through, like, an annoying feminist lens, because that's just how I have to see the world. Um, but I think it's really an, an interesting trope in movies that we walk in and we see this, like, beauty who is bringing him dinner and and trying to take care of him, doing whatever, and he's just kind of being like, and I think it's really interesting that, and this something you and I have talked about, about character development, of like, why should I care about this character? And to me, sometimes that's kind of spun into like, okay, we understand they're a couple, and she's presented as this like beauty, this kind person. Why is she into him? Because the first interactions we see with them are him being like, I don't, I don't like you and I don't want to be near you. And they do nothing to establish like any intimacy in their relationship. I mean, I would flip that around and say she's pretty and has no character until three quarters of the way through the movie. 
But but they you know what I mean? Why do I care show about that her? she's like brought him dinner and is like trying to care and tips the guy well. Like they at least demonstrate yeah. that she's but like I, but I, a fundamentally I decent think person. I think that's the I, that's what I was just saying a moment ago about the juxtaposition of they set it up like he's got these walls up, and I think that's what you're supposed to see. He's still charming. He's still he's still very winning, but he's got these walls up. Yeah, and. I think that's when it turns around is a little bit later when he, you, when you find out it's that he doesn't want to put her in harm's way or change her lifestyle. Sure. Um, and no, I, I just think I would be really curious to go back and look at like this 50s, 60s, 70s era movies and see how often they, you know, they present a couple and they, I, I'm just curious how often they make make it clear like this is what she sees in him as opposed to like, She's presented as like a beauty or a trophy to be won or whatever, but what is her what is her agency in it? Like, why does she want to be with this person? And I feel like that's often not shown in stories. Yeah, I think it is in this though. You don't you don't think so at all? I think he's like, like a f- he's incredibly good looking too. He, you don't think so? Mm. Oh, I think so. No, not my. Yeah, I don't get it. Like, uh, I think uh, to I me think, he's very ordinary think, looking. Oh, real wow, that's surprising. I think Maybe I think Jimmy Stewart is incredibly handsome. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And like, like and like, Scally level handsome. I She's I, a I think I think James Stewart is much more attractive than Grace. I think Grace Kelly is boring. Like she's pretty, but she's just kind of boring. Huh? Like she's cookie cutter beautiful, and I think maybe that's what I'm missing. James Stewart then, is I like think... is very winning and charming, and like I... like he's. I think Jimmy Stewart is like. In your like Tom Cruise world of like he might Tom Cruise might not be the most he's not Brad Pitt right he's not the but best, he's like, pretty he's attractive looking guy fun. but yes he's very charming even if very he's a horrible human oh he's a sociopath which but, or a psychopath but he's a like a, a charming person and yeah. he's witty and he's sarcastic and all of that I think is is yeah. the attra- and 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 I think that's it's a it's an opposites attract situation it's sure. she's into the fact that he's not the boring false social socialites that she surrounds sure, sure, herself sure, sure. with all the time I get and then the that goes on for him to fall in love with her mm-hmm. as she gets more and more adventurous throughout the film and he realizes oh I what am I protecting her from she's just as brave as I am Okay, all right, I will give you that. I think, I mean, really and truly, at its core, this is a love story. Yes, yes. And I think they do a very, I think the story is very interesting in how it it shows that they are, that she is capable of keeping up with his lifestyle, or as he is kind of treating her with kid gloves because of his perception right. of her as a socialite. I think my thing is I just grew up on, like, 80s and 90s movies where, like, the male lead was Gary Busey, who is bringing nothing to the table. And right. we're just like, yeah, 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 he's our male lead, I guess. He's got a blonde mustache. Who doesn't like a blonde mustache? <laughs> yeah. I mean, and I think- and so I guess in my head, I'm just so used to yeah. being like, here's my default male lead. He doesn't need to earn anybody. He just needs to fucking exist. And some, sure. you know, uh, I was yeah, going to oh, say Andy Falco, yeah. but oh my God. Um, from Green Card. Gerard 80, 80. Not Aidy Bryant. No, the woman with the hair. Oh, Annie McDowell? Annie McDowell. Like some Annie McDowell person is going to fall in love with a Gary Busey type because he... Uh, I mean, I think they match, but... <laughs> um, Gary Busey and Annie McDowell? Young, young Gary Busey? Young Gary Busey's not an ugly man. Describe my face. Super hot. 
<laughs> but no, I think I think this movie is about those things. Like, there's tidbits of a relationship there, but because they go home, every, like they leave these separate lives, like yeah. they're not complete, and neither of them is perfect. Yeah. Without each other. Like the sure. things that they are with each other complement each other in a perfect way. And I think that's what this movie is yeah. about. I have a question. Since you grew up in the 1950s, um, that whole thing about she's going to stay the night and they're like, does your landlord know? And I thought it was a joke. And then the police officer came in and is like, does your landlord know? It's like, Ew, does your landlord need to I, know if you're having a person? Is it like the dorms? Or I like, think it was... I don't. I think they were suggesting that it was more than the night. She was like moving in. She was gonna live there. But without, regardless, yeah, I guess. And it this was, was the first step of that. Sure. Okay, that's fair. But just the way they said, it, I was like, oh my god! Did like in the fifties? Did they need to like alert their landlord of their heaven and over? Twenty three skidoo. That was probably a little too early. No, no, no. Um, like, it's yeah. from your childhood when oh, you when you grew up playing stick hoop. I play the trumpet too, apparently. You're a very good mouth trumpeter, which is a thing also Leah is good at, and I'm not. So, sorry. Yeah, I feel like I missed a lot of you know, vibrato. It's really that was, good. That was the saxophone, though. Oh, I'm so sorry. I thought it was a muted trumpet. No, it was the saxophone. Oh, I'm so embarrassed. It's like a. a an alto or a tenor sax. No, oh, yeah. sure. God, not an alto get, sax. Don't want to get that wrong. <laughs> what an idiot. Alto song. It would have been a lot. Yeah. A lot. What, Michael? Higher. An alto sax versus a tenor sax. Mm. I don't think a tenor sax is a thing. I think you're thinking of soprano. No, tenor sax is like the main soprano sax. sax. No, that's what Kenny G plays. I'm gonna look up saxophone. A tenor sax is like the main, the Lisa Simpson saxophone. She plays an alto sax. I don't think so. Lisa Simpson sax saxophone. I don't think you're gonna find. Oh, well, you maybe look up saxophone. <laughs> saxophone. Um, this is a derailment, though. We should probably talk um, about I, this movie. Um, I think I'm just gonna go ahead and keep looking this up. Oh, it's a baritone sax, formerly alto sax. Never a tenor. Let me see what a tenor sax is. Tenor uh, sax is the basic one. I thought. That's yeah, right. I think so too. But she doesn't play that. She also does like her. If it's a barisax, yeah. it's tiny. A barisax. Baritone sax. A barisax. Those are like really long, and they come forward and then go up and then back down. Yeah, that's what hers looks like. But it's much much smaller. Like a barisax is like this big. You keep saying barisax. You weren't in band. How do you know what a barisax is? I was you, huge you, in disguise. You're tone you deaf. Know that. Oh God, you, you were know I was, in like I was all about the the horn section. Fuck. Yeah, this is what her saxophone looked like. Like, look how far it comes up. Like, see the little loop de loop yeah. that it does. That's not a tenor sax. A tenor sax just goes like a like a treble clef kind of. I forget you Alfred were in a Hitchcock ska. would be so proud of us right now. Um, what would you say, Michael? Your favorite checkmarked patterned item of clothing was when you were in ska? Would you say it was your belt or your vans or your vest? I never owned check vans. Really? Yeah. That shocks me. <laughs> that genuinely shook me to my soul. <laughs> like, when I imagine a young Mikey, I imagine him in check bands. Or, oh my, no, those shoes that were like your grandpa's or whatever. Like wingtips? Wingtips, but with a thick sole. 
No, I had like real wingtips. Oh, okay. I had I had a great pair of two tone, yeah, black white wingtips that were just like real wingtip shoes. But did they have like a, a thick? No, they were dress shoes where they were like. I'm trying slick. to think. I thought you used to have a pair of like, twenty style shoes that had like a really solid sole that looked I like had, they weighed twenty pounds. I each. had a pair of Doc Martens that were. Oh, maybe that's were they two toned. They were like a brown and a dark brown wingtips. Oh, that mu- that must be what I'm thinking of. But so I imagine you in those, and, <laughs> and some like wide pants. And I I, I want to be clear. I did not know Mikey and his Scott face. So this is really <laughs> like wide legged pants, like the bottom of a zoot suit. And and Mikey was like a skinny old guy back in the day, um, and a wife beater. Tucked into the big pants with suspenders and like a fedora. I'll stop you right there. First okay. of all, <laughs> I could not pull off a A-frame shirt or A-shirts or whatever. Why? Because I was way too skinny. When do you think you and do you two, think you crossed the, the threshold for being too skinny for an A-frame shirt to be too fat? Suspenders weren't a thing. They weren't? They're called braces. <laughs> Fuck you! dare you and to answer your question yes i had black and white checked skinny braces skinny braces. like they were like maybe an inch inch wide oof that's yeah. quite a look that was awesome <laughs> my, so one of my favorite fun facts about my not fun facts but just like thing, what was that scott yeah that's pick it up pick it up pick it up pick come it on pick it up come on rudy <laughs> <laughs> Oh my! I don't know. Can we might have talked. On? No, absolutely never. This <laughs> is the, where we're going to spend the rest of my life. <laughs> Did you say on this podcast that you were like the the uh, dancer in a ska band, or what's that called? A skanker. I was in for this instance. I was the Sly Dog. Sly Dog. Yeah, because the band was called Sammy Sly Dog and the Latin Brass. Christ. Okay, Latin Brass. Yeah. Were no, there any? No, of okay. Of course not. <laughs> All white guys? Oh, of course. <laughs> Sometimes I wonder if we had been... Over the thing with Mikey is... So th- when was Scott? Was Scott college age? For me? Yeah, yeah, for you. Oh, early high school. Early high school? Oh, yeah. I thought high school was when you were in, like, the Jenko jeans and the big baggy t-shirts that you're still wearing because they fit you now like a human. I, I, it depends on what I was doing. I was oh. fucking... I just did whatever the fuck I wanted. Yeah, fucking like the water, man. I was fucking, you know how, yeah, like she's like the wind. (laughs) Patrick Swayze, how he's just saying that he was talking about me. Yeah, a lot of people don't know that. Hey, we do need to get back to this. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. (laughs) For fuck's sake. She's like the wind. Did I ever tell you what mine and Amy's go-to karaoke song was in uh, in college? We used to karaoke every Thursday at the Chug in Muncie, Indiana. We used to sing "Time of My Life" every Thursday, and we had a little dance that we did like a like a like rainbow hands, but together. It was really popular, and a lot of women hit on me after that for some reason. I had a vibe. Okay, Joe. <laughs> Not even like significantly into the first act. All right, Jeff. Okay, one night during a thunderstorm, Jeff hears a woman scream, "Don't!" And then the sound of breaking glass. Do they ever establish what glass broke? 
No, just something in the apartment. Something I do happened. like that idea, though, in movies, like, shorthand for something is just glass breaking, even if you don't see it. It's like... Well, because it's loud. Well, it's very it's, distinctive it's sound. It's loud and reasonable. Like, you don't need reasonable. to... Reasonable. Like, it's reasonably explained away. Mm. Like, it wasn't a gunshot. It wasn't like, you know... Sure. Like, you hear someone choking or being straight. Like, it could have been anything. Um... Later, he's awakened by thunder and observes Thorwald. So this is the, the guy with the bedridden wife. Thorwald leaving his apartment. Thorwald makes repeated late-night trips carrying out his sample case. The next morning, Jeff notices that Thor- Thorwald's... I really don't like that name. It doesn't roll off the tongue. Thorwald's wife Just is... Colin Raymond Burr. Is that the actor? Mm-hmm. Is he a well-known actor? He was. Is he related to Aaron Burr? I almost said Alexander Burr, and I knew it was wrong, but I couldn't stop myself. See, and you could have gotten away with not saying that part. If it wasn't for you meddling kids. Am I fun to be married to? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mike, you can't see, but Mikey burst a blood vessel when he said that. <laughs> It, it, I'm so sorry. You're the love of my life. That color looks like shit on you. Mikey's wearing a high... L- so um, this is... Oh, take off your shirt. Take off shirt. Um, I'm recording this um, maybe, God, five hours after I recorded the episode with Hemant in which I yell a lot. Um, I'm pretty mad at Republicans right now. I think fairly so. Um, and in that... Episode, um, a listener, if, if you guys listen, you might have heard me cackle for 25 minutes at the fact that there's a Whitesburg, Kentucky. I don't remember the context or why I thought it was so funny, but it sure fucking was. Uh, and so a listener lives there, listened to it with their daughter, by the way, and they really delighted, and then sent me two shirts. One is this, do- you can find it on Twitter. Um, I'm at Blueberry, B-L-U-E-B-U-R-I-E, and it is uh, April 3rd. And I just posted it. One is this dope royal blue shirt with an outline of Kentucks. And it says Whitesburg. And I assume a star where Whitesburg is or just a star. Uh, and the other one is highlighter pink. And it has a nonsensical Bible verse on it that I've read many times and cannot parse. Uh, and Mikey put that on. And boy, oh boy, I love you, baby. But highlighter pink ain't your color. Anyway, he's wearing his Gleaming the Cube shirt now, which is much more on, bl- on brand. Yeah. Is Gleaming the Cube a... Awesome. Yes. I was going to say a... <laughs> I was going to say a movie where people are trapped someplace so we can watch it for uh, this, but I don't think it is. I babe. mean, his friend Honey, lives in a little like bunker thing underground. If you start with, I mean, I'm not going <laughs> to... But where they say the titular line is underground and like a little bunker thing. Well, Mikey, this quarantine is going to go on so for the foreseeable future, so there's no limit to the number of movies that will escape it. Okay. Oof, God, haven't even gotten to anything in this movie. Let's keep going. Do you want to talk more about Scott, though? No, he's saying no with his eyes. You can't see it, and it's not good podcasting, Michael. Um, Thornwall makes repeated... Blah, 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 blah. Uh... So Jeff notices that Thorwald's wife is gone and then sees Thorwald cleaning a large knife and handsaw. Later, Thorwald ties a large trunk and heavy rope and has moving men haul it away. Jeff discusses all of this with Lisa and Stella. 
So Lisa's girlfriend still is his nurse. Still is the star of this movie. Jeff becomes convinced that Thorwald has murdered his wife. He explains this to his friend Tom Doyle, um, who's a New York City police detective, and asks him to do some research. Doyle finds nothing suspicious, apparently. And apparently Mrs. Thorwald is a porch pirate steals. Oh, my God. I just got an NBC alert. Somebody's stealing masks. Cool. Cool, Chicago. Um, Doyle finds nothing suspicious. Apparently Mrs. Thorwald is upstate and picked up the trunk herself. Case closed. And that's the end of the movie. What did you think about it, Michael? <laughs> that was me making a... J- Woof. I hope you guys can hear Donnie making noise because otherwise we just once in a while stop talking. Um, okay, so this kind of skips around because... The next thing, so the next thing is about how the dog dies. I feel like there's like 45 minutes of film missing there. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a lot of just watching and seeing all the the way the neighbors and stuff all interact and like setting up this back and forth with with Jeff and Doyle about like to make you like they do a really really good job of if this is your first viewing is he just is he just cab- like stir crazy Daddy. and in the middle of a heat wave and losing his mind and just piecing Lord. things together or did something actually happen and they do a good job of really going back and forth oh, on for that sure. and setting up a movie that could go either way and and I was saying we were an hour into the movie and I was like I haven't seen this since I was probably a sophomore in college and I do not remember how it ends at all mm-hmm. Daddy, what are you barking She's at? fine. Okay, sorry. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, no, they did, They and they didn't interest you. And the, the cult plays it really well of, like, you're being, like, you're being absolutely I, absurd. But also, in a, it does a realistic way. He's actually, oddly enough, one of the best cops ever portrayed it in a Hitchcock movie. Because he did his Hitchcock job. famously makes cops terrible. Like they're like or, just and hear me out makes them realistic. They're bad in most movies, but any but like he does a good job of like he at least acknowledge like he's like all right all right I understand how that's can be mysterious. I I'm intrigued, but that doesn't mean he murdered his wife. Well, and I think let's right. not jump to that level yet. Right. Like. Which I think is a, is an approach instead of like, no, he isn't just like out the gate. No, that's ridiculous. Yeah, I'll Don't look be into it. I'll see. And he does. He does his due diligence. He looks into things. Oh, hi. Um, I don't know where they got the information that it was picked up. I don't know where they were getting that information. Right. Um, I will say one. Yeah. Actually, I was just reading my notes and when I was talking about how they didn't really, est- oops, didn't really establish why Grace Kelly would want to be with him. There's a couple of lines that I would like to read to you. Um, so they're listening to a composer uh, writing in, on his piano across the, the courtyard. And it's like a beautiful, lovely, romantic song. And she says, it's like he's writing <laughs> writing the song for us. And then Jimmy Stewart says, explains why he's having so much trouble. <laughs> you know, like a really nice boyfriend would say. I mean, you and I talk that way to each other. We're just, it's just sarcastic. It's yeah, just but if somebody banter. asked if you wanted to marry me, they, you wouldn't be like... Pfft. Fuck that! No, absolutely not. I mean, I don't know. I think I think it's it's much much more lighthearted than you took any of it. Did it go in? 
No. Oh. <laughs> it's like four feet away. <laughs> I just tried to do a cool throw paper over my shoulder thing. I do this whenever I finish my page of notes with Hemant. I try to throw it in. I usually don't do a cool over the, over the shoulder thing, but I was feeling really confident in myself. I don't know why. <laughs> anyway, okay. Um, so soon, oh, and so we see this woman lowering her dog into the garden, which is adorable. Hmm? Um, and then it starts digging into this little flower. So there's like this little flower bed that's what, maybe a foot deep and six feet wide. And it's just got... It, it would, yeah, it's like... Yeah, something like that. It's just like a, a strip. Yeah. Um, and they show the dog kind of digging in there. And the dude who may or may not be a murderer is like, nah, get out of here. Because, you know, he's a villain because he doesn't like dogs. And only villains don't like dogs. Um, besides Hammett. <laughs> who, listen, jury's still out on Hammett. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um... So soon after, a neighbor's dog is found dead with its neck broken. The dog's owner yells across the courtyard, complaining of her neighbor's callous disregard of others. All the neighbors run to their windows to see what's happening, except for Thorwald, whose cigar can be... Oh, let's talk about these. Can be seen glowing as he sits quietly in his dark apartment. You love these they're, shots. They're great. Like, I, I, there's just something about, like, all this hustle and bustle, and then one room that's black. Pitch black. And then in the center of it, you just, you see the match strike. So it lights his, it's just bright enough to light his face. And then he lights a pipe. Mm -hmm. Is it a cigar? I think it's a cigar. Okay. All you see, because you see the the light, the The flash of the match. So it brightens up his face. And then you just see this like glowing orb. Mm -hmm. And it is just a great. It reminds you that he's there. It reminds you that he's. But the key is you can't see where he's looking. Mm-hmm. So he could just have it and he's looking off somewhere else or he's looking directly at you. You right. being Jimmy Stewart. Right. And, and there's this contrast between there's so much life happening in all of the other. Mm-hmm. Every apartment. There's the girl dancing. There's the guy playing piano. There's the woman who's trying to date, which we'll talk about later. And then this one dark. But what I, I find most interesting about it is turn that around and that's exactly what Jimmy Stewart's room looks like to everybody else. Because mm-hmm. he's sitting there. There's a great shot of him too when he's got the binoculars out where he looks up and then kind of does a look over his shoulder like, oh shit, it's really bright in here and then moves, slowly moves the wheelchair back like a foot and he just rolls right back into a shadow Yeah, and then puts the binoculars back up because... He doesn't want to be yeah, seen. Yeah, he doesn't want... And so he's doing the exact same thing. He's just sitting in a dark room staring at everybody and it would lend you to believe that, like, they could be making the same assessments about him. Right. I don't know. It's just, I think it's a great back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, certain that Thorwald is also guilty of killing the dog, Jeff, at, because he says when she screams, because the woman screams about her dog missing, her dog being killed, which is, I would say, an underreaction. I would have, oh, my God, daddy, don't get strangled, okay? She is too big. Um, but he says, oh, everybody came out to see what all the fuss was about and why this woman was screaming about her dead dog, except for Thurwood. Mm-hmm. And that's in his, in, in his mind, that's because he killed it. So he's not surprised and doesn't want to see what's going on. He knows what happened. I'm curious if they talk, can we talk a little bit about, 
um, Ms. Lonely Heart because I'm kind of obsessed with her character. She's great. And I think everybody oh, in it has some... Every kind of quote-unquote bit character, which... Yeah, well, any, the every, uh, the neighbors. yeah any of the neighbors. Like, I mean, there's a lot of... Are they reflections of him or what could be? I think so. Or both him and Lisa, like... If they don't get married, does she end up like Miss Lonely Hearts? And is that going through his mind? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it, it could be. An, but if they get married, they could be like the newlywed the couple newlywed who's couple. just doing it all the time. Or the guy who or th- may or may not have murdered his wife. Right. It, um, like, all of these things, I think, are what's going through his mind. What I think a lot, uh, what I like a lot about it is it's very obvious projection on his part. Because mm-hmm. we don't know, we never hear from these people really... We never, like, physically, we never, they're not, never audible. We just see them from these kind of vignettes from 100, 200 feet away. And he sort of pins these assumptions on people. Mm-hmm. So Ms. Torso, he calls, is just, like, a woman who's dancing in her apartment and, like, buttering toast and dancing and, like, genuinely, to me, seems like the happiest character. Mm-hmm. The, like, she's just living her fucking, like, she has parties sometimes and she smooches some boys and, like whatever like she's just young and gorgeous and dancing and and feeling herself and and he kind of has this sort of like disdain for her that that I read which maybe I'm projecting on him but the fact that he calls her Miss Torso made me feel uncomfortable and I assume it's because she's wearing kind of like a sports bra and like high-waisted he's the I mean it's you you constantly see her torso yeah I got I mean it's yeah it's like why would he be like Miss Dancer or whatever. It's just, it's just, I think, a clever name. Is it clever? I mean... I wouldn't call it clever. Miss Dancer isn't. I'm not saying it is, but Miss Torso is just like, there's a bot, like, I would call you Mr. Arms because I can see your arms. Yeah, Got but you pe- fucking roasted. But people in the 1950s didn't show their torso. That's not true because they I mean, showed not- that other one, the woman with the hearing aid, she was wearing, like, a sports bra and high-waisted things. And she had, like, a Jessica body. She was, like, old jumpster and working herself out. I really liked it. Anyway, the point is... But it just he just seemed to have this sort of disdain for this woman who... Maybe it's just my point of view. is like this sort of carefree woman who's dancing I, you know, in her apartment. I would say more so she's the current reflection of Lisa. Mm-hmm. And he sees her as this person who's just happy-go-lucky, but is just beautiful and but Carefree. seems superficial sure and I think he hasn't tried to get to the depth of what Lisa is mm-hmm. and so he sees her as the same thing that's fair um and then we have Ms. Lonely Heart who's the she's always wearing like an emerald green dress um and she's what probably 30 something 40 something I'm not great at judging ages I would when... say older than that really I, I would say mid 40s oh, okay um, and they show her, so he, they call, he calls her Miss Lonely Because I think she's, she's getting into that old maid oh, age, sure. and that's why she's so depressed. And, like, she'll sit down to dinner and have it, like, set up for two, kind of, and pour herself wine and just, like... And she's, like, having full-on pantomime conversations with... Yes. Yeah. Um, pretending someone else is there, which is which is one of those things. Like it's it's really sad in my head when I would see something like that. I'm like, oh, she just dealt with like a tragic loss or something happened. But he's just like, well, she's single, and single women are all sad. 
which is whatever. Like, neither interpretation is necessarily correct. But, but at one point, she brings her, finally gets a date. She brings this date home. And while, like, oh, good for Miss Lonely Heart, all of her problems are solved. And a date who's significantly younger. Significantly younger, very handsome. And he, like, immediately sex- sexually assaults her, and she throws him out. So, I don't know what I'm supposed to take away from that. Of she was so desperate, she, like, it was a gigolo? Or just, I she, don't, she's so vulnerable she can be taken advantage of? I think, I think, I think it was her desperation to find this guy and bring him home or whatever. But then, also, like, she fights him off because she actually cares about herself. Yeah. I, I, like, 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 deep down, she isn't as miserable as she thinks she is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I liked. Um, and I, I mean, think... I didn't that, like that they had to show her getting sexually assaulted. Yeah, but also, I mean... That. But it was also the 50s. But also, she gets this incredible bout of strength during that. Mm-hmm. Um, not that that needs to be the reason for it or whatever, right. but then, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think just in my head, when I when I see these particular two women, I see them as two human beings who are sort of defined by the men they do or not do or do not associate with, which I'm not over the moon about. Um, like, Ms. Lonely Heart, by her name alone, is defined by the fact and that she's single. And they're on opposite ends of the courtyard. Third floor, yes. first floor, yes. far like yes. these two Different are polar looking. opposites. I mean, yeah. they're both white, obviously, but like, yeah, um, but they both seem to be defined by the, especially Ms. Lonely Heart, defined by the men or lack thereof in her life, which, whatever. Okay, well, rear window, I lost it. Okay. Um, Okay, Uh, certain that Thorwald is also guilty of killing the dog. Jeff asks Lisa, Grace Kelly, to slip an accusatory note under his door so Jeff can watch his reaction when he reads it. And it said, what did you do with her? Said, what happened to her? No. What did you do with her? That's what I just said. Is it? Uh Uh-huh. Oh, sorry. Um... So he can watch his reaction, and so he reads it and kind of, like, looks around, like that dog from The Simpsons. <laughs> is, that a, is that a relatable reference? Just, yeah. <laughs> um, then, as a pretext to get Thorwald out of his apartment, Jeff telephones him and arranges a meeting at a bar. Um, so he calls him, and he's like, did you get my note? Which is... It, it kind of made me think of how you always criticize Christian Bale as Batman because Christian Bale has, like, the most distinctive m- mouth of any human. And Jimmy Stewart is calling this guy, like, well, did you get, uh, did you get my note? Like, he's... <laughs> I want you to meet me at the old building and loan. <laughs> and he's just like, can you, uh, can you hear me? Can you, can you... Oh, I, don't, I don't think I have a good Jimmy Stewart in the can. You do yours again. Don't tell, tell, say meet me at a bar. Why, 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 why don't you just meet me at the bar? <laughs> I, I, I want to find out what happened to her. That's pretty good. I don't think I knew you had such a good Jimmy Stewart. I didn't know that either. <laughs> 
And I want to be clear, I've only seen two Jimmy Stewart movies, so let's not pretend I And also, he doesn't do that, like, stuttery thing in this at all, but, like, famously does in a lot of other things, so I think that's a little... But anyway, (laughs) that's... That's that. That's my Jimmy. Excuse me. Um, (laughs) Sorry, that just really made me giggle. Um, (laughs) Jeff Telephones. He believes Thorwell buried... Buried? Buried? Something incriminating the courtyard flower bed and killed the dog to stop it digging there. So when Thorwald leaves, Lisa and Stella dig up the flowers. They find nothing. Which was sort of a bummer. Like, I, it really straight up bummed me out. That but he, why did he kill the dog then? They, they explain that. They, Do they? He did bury something there and then moved it oh. while he was asleep. Oh, oh, oh. Um, but it was presumably the, the knife and the hacksaw. Oh, yeah. But, like, they, like, they, that's, it's also part of this whole, like, you think this movie is going on this route where they're just going to find more and more clues, but Mm -hmm. then it keeps turning out that they don't. Mm -hmm. And so it, it adds to this flip-flop nature of, like, anything can happen. Is this guy insane? Or is there, like, legitimately, you know, a murder happening across the courtyard? Yeah, and that's one of my favorite movie tropes is not a whodunit, but was there even a murder in the first place? Yeah. Because I think that's really interesting because it's more interesting than like, put, well, not more interesting, but interesting in different ways of we're not putting together the clues and figuring out who done it. It's like, is this person just gone or is this person murdered somewhere? And it's, I mean, as a true crime person, it's 20,000 times harder to prove a crime if you don't have a body so Mm -hmm. and also like by them not finding anything there that's the catalyst for her to go take it even further yes and she climbs into his apartment which i thought was dope as hell um but and and, like that's the that's the moment where he i think that's i mean that's the moment where he realizes like oh she's not who i thought she was yeah she's or like who I let her be like she, there's so much more to her than I never considered. Yeah, And he, and I think he tries to keep her in her box because that's who he thinks right. she is. And he thinks that would keep her happy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I loved this scene. Um, so Grace Kelly, when she's not in lingerie, she is always in like full on cocktail wear. which I'm in like her wardrobe was, she wears that green, like borderline suit. Loved that. And then she takes the jacket off and it's like oh, the that like, tank top. Oh my God. It was a halter top yeah. with like a cross. God, gorgeous. She's perfect. She's a vision. She's a princess. Um, oh, but so she, so they have what's his face out of the house. They think going to be for a minute. So she like just monkey climbs up the fire escape. I don't even know how she got up there. And in her cocktail gown is like a more elaborate gown than my wedding dress. She climbs up two stories of a fire escape and then like Jimmy's over to the second window and hops in and is like, I'm here. I did it. Finally. My mm-hmm. my kitten heels were good use. They gave me the lift I needed to get up that, that fire escape. Um, so that was very cool. When, okay, uh, much much to Jeff's amazement and admiration, Lisa then climbs to the fire escape to Thorwald's apartment and clambers in through an That's open window. That's a great window. way to say that. Clambers is great. Uh, well, I meant amazement and ad- admiration. Oh, like, I like Because I think that's the moment he yeah. genuinely falls in love with her. Um, 
when Thorwald returns and grabs Lisa, Jeff calls the police. But he, mm, it's not, he calls the police as soon as he realizes Thorwald is coming back. And even before he finds her, he says there's a man assaulting a woman. He <coughs> calls the police initially because Mrs. Lonely Hearts is about to take a shitload of pills. I forgot about that. And part. then as that's happening, he the phone is connecting and that's when he see like but that's the distraction he has, so that's why he didn't see him coming back. Oh so he's already on the phone with the police, or like it's connecting, and then he looks up and realizes he's right outside the door, so he changes what he's gotcha. relaying to the police. Um uh, they arrive just in time to save Lisa by arresting her. Jeff sees Lisa has her hands behind her back, wiggling her finger with, with Mrs. Thornwald's wedding ring on it. Thornwald notices this, and realizing that she was signaling somebody, he sees Jeff across the courtyard. Uh, Jeff phones Doyle, so that's the cop from earlier, mm-hmm. uh, and leaves an urgent message. Stella heads for the police station um, to post bail for Lisa. Which is, I don't know why I care about this, but it's such a wild, wild moment where he's like, you have to go bail her out. It's first time burglary. That's going to be $250. Here's some cash. I was like, what is your life that you had that locked and loaded? <laughs> Not just like, here's 500 bucks, whatever it takes. Yeah. It's like, here's what she's going to be in for. Here's how much it costs. Trust me, I know. Here's 250 Oops. Um... Um, Jeff phones Doyle leaves and Stella heads to the police when his phone rings Jeff assumes it's Doyle and says that the suspect has left the apartment when no one answers Jeff realizes that Thorwald himself had called and is heading over to confront him when Thorwald enter, enters Jeff repeatedly sets off his uh, so he, he had, they teed up the, the, the uh, flash bulbs because he said when he's coming back I'm I'll warn you with I'll the, warn you with the, flash the bulbs. flash And so he has those ready to go. And we were talking about those are the old school ones that are like I love it. one and done. Mm-hmm. Did they have a name? Just flash bulbs. Just flash bulbs. Um, Jeff repeatedly sets off his camera flash bulbs, temporarily blinding him. I will say when I was reading the, uh, the IMDb uh, uh, trivia, apparently to get... So they do like a kind of special effects thing where they show it from the POV of, of Thorwald when he's getting the, the thing flash. Great light his, flash, yeah. Um, and I guess some... Well, no, they show the... When you see the light flash, you, you're, you're in Jeff's point of view. Yes, but they show from, after it goes off. Then they show him. He, he, rubs, he rubs his, or grabs his glasses, and then the, that orange. the dissipating bright red spot that, that goes away. And originally... Um, According to IMD, originally um, um, Hitchcock had wanted to do like white flashing lights, and that was like his disorientation. But people who worked on the movie went into a black room and repeatedly like flashed each other, flashed each other, set the flash off to each other. Oh, to see what to would see actually... what it would actually look like, and that's why they they yeah. got that, which I think is cool. yeah. I mean, it's it's a great effect. It's mm-hmm. realistic, and like they set it up. There's a couple of beautiful shots in that sequence of Jimmy Stewart sitting by the window in like half silhouette. The, mm-hmm. the cast is bright mm-hmm. and shiny, but you can't see any of his face. And then Raymond Burr steps into the apartment into this like streak of 
harsh light that like just hits his eyes mm-hmm. in this way that's just gorgeous Very to look cool. at. Um, however, Thorold grabs Jeff and manages to push him out the open window as Jeff is yelling for help. Police officers enter the apartment as he falls to the ground. Uh, other officers have run... Uh, this was in a great movie. This was a garbage 1950s special effect was Jimmy Stewart falling. Which was a, a great effect for the 1950s. I'm absolutely I mean, sure, it was pre-color like, screen and... Oh, I and I don't doubt it, but I think a better choice would have been like show him being dropped and then jo- show him on the ground. Like the fact they showed him and it, he fell a uh, story. So it's not like a long dramatic fall they had to show. I'm sorry. I'm not giving notes to Alfred Hitchcock. It was just. Yeah. I mean, I they, they wanted to see his face. They wanted yeah. to. Yeah. Do you want to talk about your favorite fall face from. Um... No. Okay. Are you sure? Yeah. All right. Well, let me know if you change your mind. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'll be over here. Um, brr, brr, brr. Police officers enter the apartment as he falls to the ground. Other officers have run over to break his fall. Thorwald confesses to the police soon afterward. A few days later, the heat has lifted. <laughs> like, immediately. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, they look out the window and like, we got everything. Yeah. <laughs> Which is like... Like, like, Jimmy Stewart is still on the ground. Yeah. They're like, don't worry. Yeah, like... We got it. We got a cap. But, like, I think part of it, too, was, like, clearly that his... Ravenverse character is dealing with a guilty conscience mm-hmm. and he's losing like when so when he comes in to the thing he doesn't come in necessarily to attack jimmy stewart he comes he in says, with like what do you want what do you want i don't have money who are you why why is she why did she get arrested why didn't she turn me in you guys yeah. know yeah what do you want from me and he's just panicky in this way that like could explain why he would just immediately confess mm-hmm. um but it, it is just funny that, like, he's still laying on the ground and the guy leans out. He's like, yeah, we got everything. I mean, they needed, obviously, to cap they the put, movie. They put but, a bow on it yeah. real well. And then yeah. it just fucking ends. Yeah. Um, well, they, they cut back and you realize his other leg is also broken now. Yes. And then they A few days over. later, the okay. heat was lifted and Jeff rests peacefully in his wheelchair, now with casts on both legs. The lonely neighbor is chatting with the pianist in his apartment. The dancer's lever returns from the army. That was... I, th- I mean, all of that ending stuff is just to show you... Things aren't what they seem? Exactly. Yeah. I think everybody... Like, it's the old everybody's fighting a battle you don't know kind sure. of thing. You What you see on the surface isn't necessarily what it is. Uh, yeah. And so when, when Miss Torso, the dancer, uh, when, when her <clears throat> beau comes home, I don't know if it's her boyfriend or her husband or whatever... He's like a couple inches shorter than her and they hug and she's like, oh my God, how are you? He's like, I'm hungry. And then go, goes to the fucking fridge. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> if, Mikey, if you'd been away at war. Well, and but I, I go- think that's it. Like, I don't think it's a happy ending for them. I think she was living her best life when he wasn't there. Oh. And then other people are like the drunk piano player guy who was just hobbling around all over, like always having parties, but always drunk was... Living this socialite lifestyle, right? But he was miserable because he to couldn't fight, write. Cause, but just to fight his own depression or loneliness or whatever. Um, but he's also lonely and plays a song at one point, which is what Miss Lonely Hearts hears mm-hmm. right before she d- tries to take pills. Yeah, and that's what gets her to stop. 
Yeah. So then you see the two of them together at the end, mm-hmm. and she says something like, you don't know what your music means to me, mm-hmm. which I think is just beautiful. It's a beautiful, beautiful, line. beautiful. I love that. Um, but I think, yeah, but I think the one, like the people you think have it terrible are fine, end up good. And yeah. then the, the one who's like living the best life and she's carefree and whatever, her husband comes home and I don't <laughs> think he's so a, fucking I don't, wild that yeah. that's your take on it i mean it it totally makes sense that's just to me i pinned it more of like oh in the 1950s women were expected to like cook for their men not and in my head in in the 1950s when they wrote these movies women were happy to be subservient and Mm -hmm. like oh he came home oh good she gets to cook for somebody that's her fulfilling herself that is a much more feminist take on she was happier when he was gone because Men are garbage. He was. I mean, at least. I don't, you're not. Um, that's, I don't know. That's what I got anyway. Sure. Uh, the lonely neighbor is chatting with the pianist in his apartment. The dancer's lover turns home from the army. The couple whose dog was killed have a new dog. And the newly married couple are bickering. Uh, Lisa reclines in the daybed in Jeff's apartment wearing, <laughs> wearing jeans and reading a book called Beyond the High Himalayas. As soon as Jeff falls asleep, Lisa puts the book down and happily opens up a fashion magazine. And that is the end of that movie. So I very much like that movie. I wish it was a little bit shorter, but I think that's just sort of my nature. I really don't want to watch anything more than 60 minutes almost ever. Well, that was a perfect length. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, very, like, I, the, the hour 45, hour 50, I think is like the perfect movie length for most movies. Mm-hmm. Some movies can get away with much longer, but for the most part, anything over two hours. Oh, I like think your is favorite excessive. movie, The Irishman? Excuse me, that was really rude to say to me. Don't say wife. that word in front of me. <laughs> well, I'm Irish. Yeah, but you're not the Irishman. You don't know that about me. You know nothing about me. Okay. You barely even know me. Um, cool. So that was Rear Window. That was fun. It's always fun to do a movie that you actually like, as opposed to my favorite movie, The Village. What? You're holding your breath. It's. I'm just trying to figure out if I'd rather watch The Village or The Irishman. <laughs> to be fair, you could watch so The Village bad. twice in the know, length of time of The Irishman. And, and it might still be better. I got it. What? I hate the Irishman <laughs> so so hard. Yeah, so you would rather watch the, the village, village twice. Which is, you would rather watch the village. Tw- oh, I see. Huh. Ha ha ha. I mean, I think that's good because at least the village has human women in it, uh, which is probably good. I don't know. I didn't see the Irishman. I just assume a Scorsese movie did I mean, not have human women in it that say words. Women heavy for sure, but there's some. Were there, would you say there's more women or more people of color? Oh, women, for sure. <laughs> I don't think there's anybody of color in Irish. Well, they didn't have people of color in the 60s. Everybody knows that. It's science. Yeah, they didn't invent them yet. <laughs> um, okay, cool. Well, that was Rear Window. Um, it's Friday the 3rd. I think we're going to be in lockdown for, I don't know, Ever. the rest of our lives. So we're going to keep going with this until 
Mikey gets really annoyed with putting headphones on at nine o'clock at night. Uh, I which wish is we could look at our neighbors, but our back rear window looks out on a mire, and there's not a lot happening there. No, not a lot. Sometimes coyotes are over there. Yeah, the other day my brother was there. Yes. So uh, okay, I have a story. So our t- so we live in a row of townhomes, and the uh, the garages face this like. I mean, it's not. It's a row. We call it a car hole. Car hole, Michael. Is that a joke that I don't get? Is it car hole? What's that from? <laughs> when they're playing poker and Mo is like, says something about the garage and he's like, "Oh, you rich guy, call it like, call it a car hole or whatever." Uh, <laughs> um. So there's just like this strip where it's just access to to the little driveways that we have, and then there's like a drainage ditch, and then a mire, um, and Mikey's brother Mike, <laughs> s- story TK, um, he drives trucks for B- Anheuser Busch. No, it's U- it's Euclid Beverage. Oh, for it's you- a beverage distribution. Um, and so he a lot of times drops off. He, he drives a truck and, and drops off shit for the mire. And one time I was... And that's where I walk the dog. It's like a little loop that I do. And one day I was walking Dottie and I see this fucking sem... And it's... I don't know. What you say? A hundred yards away? Not even. And I see a semi come up and I just hear like... And I see the window go out and I can just hear like... And I'm just like... Ow, ow! Yeah. oof a And I was like, yo. And then I was like, oh, I think Mike delivers there. So I I don't have Mike's number. So I text Mikey, like, is your brother honking his horn at me right now? And he was like, oh, yep, yep, he is. And I was like, so it's not a murder? And you were like, unclear? No, we don't know. But yeah, so he, he called me the other day. was like, I assume you're working from home? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, look out the window. And it was him. He doesn't talk like that. I don't know why you do yeah, that. Yeah, he does. Everybody does. <laughs> That's the one voice Mikey does. Yeah, I do New you York. Do... Fucking New York guy. And Jimmy Stewart. And and Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> and it, and, and you, Jimmy Stewart from fucking New York. And you decided not to be a theater major? Because you have a pretty impressive arsenal of voices. Yeah. Can you do... <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> anyway, so he dropped off some beer for you. Not yeah. for you. Well, we picked it up later. We just had to pay Meyer for it. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking middleman Meyer. Um, okay. Well, you. you guys, uh, you can always find me on Twitter um, at Blueberry, B-L-U-E-B-U-R-A-E. How do you think you would do in this particular quarantine oh, situation? Oh, Christ, Mikey, you're right. When did this switch where I am the only one who can remember these? Literally just now. because no, Or last time. Was it last time, too? Yeah. I think the key is that you're you've been getting much much drunker. I'm genuinely not that drunk. I just we've been talking for an hour and fifteen minutes. How would you do my second podcast? Um, I in twenty twenty or nineteen fifty four. Nineteen fifty four, I would not do well. Um, I did admire the fact that he was always in jammies, uh, which I liked. I feel like a lot of times in. In movies that date before like the seventies, even if like you're on your deathbed, you're like, I'm in a full suit, motherfucker. Well, um, a lot of that was because that shit was so thick that it kept the smell in. Ugh. Ew, yeah, I. Because they didn't bathe in weeks. Yeah, actually, what this made me think of was when you and I were first dating, and when I was living in Lincoln Park, 
and we had air conditioning like in the living room but not in the bedrooms and I just have this very specific memory of one night that it was a thousand degrees and I had the window open in the box fan and we were we were sleeping spoiler we slept together before we got married but we have a full-size bed I had a full-size bed at the time that you were sleeping in and we were both like sweating anytime like anybody's elbow would brush the other person's like get the fuck away from me don't fucking touch me um and that's what it made me think of like how miserable you would be with like no ac not really box fan like they didn't have electric fans the way we do oh yeah just open the window and hope there was a breeze at some point oh my god and grace kelly had her hair like all the way done and a full face of makeup on bless her heart she's so beautiful um Anyway, um, you know what? Not good, Michael. And how does it make you feel about this current situation? Better. Because, A, we had AC, <laughs> which we don't even need yet. It's 65 degrees And we can up. watch great movies like Rear Window. And we can watch movies. And the other thing is, I guess in the front, people can see into our windows if we're just like par- parading around. But it's not the way, the way Rear Window is uh, shows New York apartments is very much like, if the, like our kitchen was just the whole thing and the whole wall was windows and like well he's got yeah giant like obscene us an obscenely large window almost like they're big apartments for a window for a movie yeah to to look out on a courtyard yeah um, um no but that said it's a kind of a nice courtyard so like it's a really lovely little courtyard for like a New York or Manhattan apartments yeah yeah, yeah. It, was, it was yeah it was Greenwich Village. Which I only know because of friends. I've only mentioned New York twice. Um, cool. Well, uh, Mikey, we can follow you at Mikey Greif, M-I-K-E-Y-G-R-E-I-F-F. Um, on the Twitter machines. On the Twitter machines. Actually, you know what? If you're going to follow Mikey, follow him on uh, Instagram. He's a very talented photographer, and you're Mr. Mikey G? Mm, Mr. Underscore yeah. Mikey G? M-R underscore Mikey G. Um, he's a... Very talented photographer. It's a lot of pictures of beer. Right now, it's because just that's pictures all I've of been beer. Doing is drinking <laughs> lots and lots of beer. But I am excited about how many different beers I've been able to mm-hmm, mm-hmm. procure. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was shocked. I think just people have come and gone in our place so much and just left one beer. A lot, yeah, a lot of them is going through that remainder selection of yeah. people brought a six pack and drank five, that kind of thing. We have those Modellos in the. I know. With this LaCroix for, for Jason. Yeah. Uh, okay, um, guys, thank you as always for tuning in. And hey, if you're listening to this, it means you support our Patreon, which really and truly means fucking everything. I think as with everybody else, um, this is hitting us um, in financial bounds. So thank you for supporting us and uh, and continuing to do so. And we will talk to you next time. Okay, bye.